For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Do you like sports? Cause we like sports. Let's talk about sports. It's Sport Jack. Sport Jack. It's Sport Jack. And here comes Sports Fans, episode 255 of the Sports Yak Podcast. Oh, you mean the Sonny Jurgensen episode? Sonny Jurgensen. You remember him, don't you? No, you don't. Quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles and the Washington Redskins. He actually started his college career as a defensive back at Duke, became the quarterback there, uh, spent some time as a backup with the Eagles, then had a really good year with the Eagles, got traded to the Redskins. Throughout his 17-year career, he threw 255 touchdown passes, but you got to remember the game was a lot different back then. Five times he led the NFL in passing yards. He's in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. He's a beloved Washington Redskin. He's been married to his wife for 57 years. He's Sonny Jurgensen. I was, as a young man, a fan of the Eagles as well as the Bears. Okay. And here's why. I enjoyed their helmets. Well, they are kind of a cool-looking helmet with that little silver outline around the wing on the green. It stands out very nicely. I like them. I like the helmet more now than I did when I was younger. Mm-hmm. But, yes, I enjoyed their helmets. Family Broadcasting Corporation. Well, in association with the Studio DNA Podcast Network, presents Sports Yak. One host knows sports. And who's right there? The other doesn't know sports, but... Somehow they meet in the middle. It's all the way. It is. It's good. Here's your host, Corey Mann. Get your big butt out of here. And Indiana Sports Broadcast Hall of Famer. This one will be relived. Chuck Freebie. Forever. Let's get after it, Chuck Freebie. Where you want to start? Notre Dame football? Sure, why not? They get ready for Boston College this week. Players met the media last night. Brian Kelly met the media on Monday. Not really a lot of talk about a letdown. I know a lot of our older fans are saying, do you think Brian Kelly's bringing up the Boston College game of 93 after they knocked off the number one team? And I get where they're coming from. I get the relevance in their minds. But that event happened 27 years ago. The oldest player on this team is 23. Can I throw in a little weird fun fact this week? I pre- I prepare these trivia questions for our morning show, and I always look at this historic page. And I've been amazed at the last three days how many Boston College Notre Dame games have landed oh, yeah. on these dates. Mm-hmm. And it's been a very back and forth, and I believe the one that landed on today's date was 2000, and I think Notre Dame won. But just, is there a reason why it always lands in mid, middle November, is that is that a thing? I, I think that's where the schools have traditionally contracted it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just happened to fall that way with the ACC schedule this year. Now, I, I remember a couple of years ago, and the reason I remember this vividly is we were in Dayton for a parents' weekend, mm-hmm. and it's like everything stopped because Dayton has a lot. Dayton football is is nice, but it's not at the level of 
Power 5 football. So everything stopped when the Notre Dame game came on because a lot of those Dayton kids are Notre Dame football fans. And Is so, this one called the Holy War? It has been called that before because these are the only two Catholic universities that play Division One football. Okay. So it is a big rivalry from Boston College's standpoint. I think Notre Dame looks at it much like um, the Corleone family looked at Fredo in The Godfather. They just... <laughs> They they don't have what a reference all that much respect for Boston College, but let's face it, for a period of time there, Boston College was taking it to Notre Dame yeah. in this rivalry. Thorn in the side. It has changed under Brian Kelly. It does not mean that you can go out there and just roll out onto the field and win. The Irish are going to have to play well. Phil Jerkovic, the transfer from Notre Dame, who is now the quarterback at Boston College, is probably the Eagles' MVP this year. They're 5-3, and three, and I will tell you they don't win four of those games without Phil Jerkovic. Did he leave because he needed more playing time? Yes. He wasn't getting any playing time here. He was behind Ian Book. He felt that his development had been impeded. Um, I'm not sure... I don't know that he necessarily got along all that well with Tommy Reese. Okay. And that could pose a problem. Yeah, because Notre Dame really puts an emphasis on footwork and technique and things like that. And sometimes quarterbacking is a little bit like if you take a batter and you're trying to make him hit a specific way, it may not work for that batter. You, you see all kinds of different batting stances and batting styles. Phil mm-hmm. Jerkovic didn't fit what Notre Dame was trying to do. He is more of a drop-back passer. And Notre Dame, as you see with Ian Book, likes to roll out that quarterback a little bit, likes to have him run. Now, Phil Jerkovic is a good athlete, and he can run. He could do some things, but in terms of just being able to – throw the ball down the field and, and do the things that Phil Jerkovic is most comfortable doing, that wasn't really where he fit in the Notre Dame offense. So I think it's a good transfer for him. On Saturday, does Notre Dame look across the line and go, you left us? You or... know, I thought that might be the case, but boy, if there was any of that, the players did not let on to that last okay. night. Uh, Ade Ogundeji talked about how Phil Jerkovic was a great teammate here, and he's a talent. And, you know, they, they were not giving any bulletin board material whatsoever to the Boston College Eagles. So that's a 3.30 kickoff on ABC Saturday. And um, it'll be interesting to see how the Irish play. The, the one side of the brain tells you, Yes, you can't have a letdown. You've got to take this game seriously. You've got to go out there and play just as hard as you did last week. The other side of the brain tells you, man, they expended a lot of effort and emotion in that win over Clemson. How do they summon that up for a second straight week to go out to Boston College? I think the one thing that helps them is they have a bye week after this game. So you can kind of tell yourself, if I can just get through one more weekend here, I get to take a little bit of a mental and physical break before getting ready for North Carolina. Plus, what's the big picture? National championship. And Clemson was kind of that big 
dunk on the schedule. You know, there's still some healthy competition, but... Oh, there's a lot to play for. Yes. Believe me, there's a lot to play for. But there was a lot to play for 27 years ago, too. Yes. And that's, that's the thing that rankles people is the fact that Boston College has been a continual thorn in the side of Notre Dame over the last 30 years. Now, at least they're playing because in the SEC, half the schedule this weekend has been wiped out. The first one to go off the boards was Auburn and Mississippi State. And then yesterday we learned that the big CBS game, 3.30 Saturday afternoon, Alabama LSU will not be played because of a COVID outbreak among the Tigers. And then we also found out that Texas A&M has a COVID problem, so their game with Tennessee is off the boards. So now the SEC, unlike some other conferences, Big Ten, Pac-12, left itself a little wiggle room. Problem is, I think LSU has already used up its wiggle room in the schedule. So I don't know that that game is going to be made up. Now, this is part of 2020. Not everybody's going to play the same number of games, things like that. Um, The fact that Alabama doesn't play LSU this year isn't as big as it's been in past years because LSU is not as good as they've been in the past. They already have three losses. Uh, That game in my opinion, was going to be a blowout, but you never know playing on the road in Death Valley. It's also exciting having a couple of Indiana teams that are winning. Don't forget Indiana this weekend, Purdue this weekend. Both of those games heard on our hometown station here, Pulse FM. Indiana taking on Michigan State Saturday at noon as they battle for the brass spittoon. And then Purdue will take on Northwestern in a battle of the unbeatens at Ross-Aid Stadium. And... I think you could have gotten pretty good money in Vegas if you would have said, we're going into the weekend of November 14th. Purdue and Northwestern will be undefeated, and Nebraska and Penn State will be winless. (laughs) It just seems like the world has really turned on its axis here in 2020. Let's shift gears and the sounds of shoes squeaking on a gym floor. Basketball news. Well, Mike Bray met the media on Monday. And that was the first we've really had a chance to hear from the Irish coach during the preseason. And he gave us a hint that when the schedule was going to be released tomorrow, you were going to gasp at the first eight games. And really, it's the first nine games that you gasp at. So that schedule got released yesterday. Did you indeed gasp? It's it's pretty salty. Remember, I've been critical on this show in the past because Notre Dame's non-conference games... It seemed like any time they played anybody good, it was on the road. Their non-conference schedule at home usually stunk. Now, of course, this is the year where probably nobody will get to go to games. And so a lot of fans are saying, well, what good does it do us now that they're playing these good teams? But this is as challenging a schedule as I've ever seen Mike Bray put together. Part of that is because... You're limited to 27 games, and 20 of them are going to be against the ACC, which is probably the best conference in college basketball. It's either that or the Big Ten. So you've got that, number one. But number two, what they put into their non-conference schedule this year is absolutely amazing. So let me call it up here. Here are the first nine games for the Irish. You're going to open on the road at number 13, Michigan State. Tom Izzo, who, by the way, is battling coronavirus, 
has another terrific team that's expected to compete for a Big Ten title. You come home, you play Western Michigan on December 2nd. That's the probably the only non-big-name team in the first nine, and yet we all know who Western Michigan is. That's not like playing Nickel State or somebody like that. Yeah, that's 60 minutes up the road. Yeah. Uh, two days after Western Michigan, number 12 Tennessee comes into Purcell Pavilion to play the Irish December 4th. December 8th, it's Ohio State. They're ranked number 23. Then, December 12th, you go to Kentucky and play the 10th-ranked Wildcats. You come home on December 16th and play number 9, Duke. Three days after that, you go to Indianapolis and play a very good Purdue team. Then you go on the road to Syracuse to play right before Christmas. And by the way, you come back, your first game after Christmas is number 4, Virginia, at home. Hello! Off to the races, I huh? mean, you talk about nine, six of those against top 25 teams, five of them against top 15 teams. That is quite the schedule for Mike Bray's team. Now, Mike Bray says you wouldn't put together a schedule like this unless you felt like you had a team that you could have some fun with. Yeah, I was going to say, did anyone ask, what were you thinking? So he has a feeling about this team mm-hmm. that not a lot of others share, quite frankly. But he feels this team is ready to compete. And he said in his press conference he feels this is an NCAA tournament team. Now, I can tell you that the starting lineup for the Irish is going to probably be um, Prentice Hub and Cormac Ryan at the guards. Cormac Ryan is a transfer from Stanford that we've heard nothing but glowing things about. Um and really gives the Irish some versatility in the backcourt. Takes a lot of the pressure off Prentice Hub at the point guard slot. I have so many questions. I'm going to hold them off. Let's get Tom Noy to help us out here. We will. We will. Um, you you remember Steve Vasturia, right? Yes. Mike Bray says that Cormac Ryan is kind of a combination of Steve Vasturia and Chris Quinn. Oh, wow. He He's more of a point guard than T.J. Gibbs or Rex Fluger was. Okay. Um. And the starting lineup would be Hub, Ryan, Nate Lashesky, who apparently has gone into the weight room and transformed his body, Jawan Durham, who's gone into the weight room and transformed his body, and Dane Goodwin at the small forward. They've had time to transform with this past year. Yes. <laughs> Get in that weight room. Okay. So Bray is really excited about the strength training and the physical transformation of his guys and feels like they can play a lot of different styles with this team. So we'll see. Uh, The proof will be in the pudding, of course, and that starts November 28th, a little more than two weeks from now. I'm genuinely excited about local talent playing in Indiana. Well, I am too, and we've got two terrific freshmen from our area who will be highlighted on our Big Ten teams. Jaden Ivey is at Purdue. And Purdue held its second scrimmage of the season on Monday, and apparently it was open to the media. Oh, there's a concept. Um, You know, you can bring in the local media, and I think we can spread out and socially distance in in an arena. You know, put one guy per section, I think it'll work out. Be careful. It's just a thought. Be careful. Anyway, uh, (laughs) so Purdue held its second scrimmage of the season on Monday, and Jaden Ivey, 
absolutely sparkled. Matt Painter said it was his best practice or scrimmage of the fall so far. And so we'll see how much of an impact he can have on this Purdue team. And, of course, Notre Dame will play Purdue, as I mentioned, December 19th. But we've got all the Purdue basketball games when the schedule comes out on 103.1 FM. We'll also have all the Indiana games when a schedule comes out on 103.1 FM. And the word out of Blooming is Trey Galloway might work his way into the starting lineup for Archie Miller's Hoosiers this year. You might say, well, why is that? Well, Trey Galloway is a coach's son. And what's one thing that you would expect a coach's son to know how to do, Corey? Of all the basketball skills, what's the perhaps the one that's most coveted by coaches and the one that you're going to know how to do? Wow. Uh, listen to your coach? <laughs> well, that yeah, that's one. I would say play defense. Okay. And he, Trey Galloway is 6'5". He's long and gangly. Remember how... Demetrius Jackson's wingspan really was a problem for offenses. He'd get a lot of steals, a lot of deflected passes, things like that. That's Trey Galloway. And so I don't know that Trey Galloway is as quick as Demetrius Jackson was, but he certainly is taller and has that kind of wingspan that DJ had. And I think defensively, Archie Miller loves him. Coach's son, he's not going to make a lot of bad decisions with the basketball. And so we'll see uh, what kind of contribution he's able to make to the Hoosiers. How about the women's side of the basketball, Chuck Freeby? Well, South Carolina is ranked number one in the preseason poll. Of course, you've got the usual suspects up there, guys. teams like Baylor and UConn. Indiana is ranked 16th. They've got a young woman named Allie Patberg that people up this way are familiar with because she played for a season for Notre Dame before transferring back closer to home. Neil Ivey's Irish are ranked 22nd in the preseason poll. And you might say, boy, that's a, that's a hefty jump for a team that had a losing record last year. And that's true. However, uh, when you look at the talent coming back for Notre Dame and realize that it's got a year of seasoning and look at the freshmen who are coming in, I think the Irish will be very competitive this year. Michigan, by the way, is ranked number 25. And then you've got the Masters team up here, Corey. Tees off tomorrow at Augusta National. And obviously this tournament will be far different than any other Masters we've seen because the patrons or the gallery will not be allowed in to Augusta National this year. It's only going to be the players and the caddies and the broadcast crews. And so... One wonders, without the lack of a crowd, how it will play out. You're also going to see you've got some really big hitters these days in golf. you got this guy named Bryson DeChambeau, Corey, who really reformed his body in the offseason going into 2020, put on about 40 to 50 pounds, mainly muscle. And this guy drives the ball about 375 yards. So when you look at the layout of Augusta National, which is not one of the longer layouts for golf courses, a lot of people are wondering, well, is this guy going to be able to just be putting for birdie just about any time he wants to? And 
a lot of people target him as a possible favorite to win this weekend. Uh, looking at the odds, I think the betting favorite is DeChambeau. He's 8-1. to one. There's a guy named John Rahm. I don't know if you uh, – I know you follow me on Twitter, but I don't know if you saw this golf shot that I posted yesterday from the Masters. Is that the water skip? Yes. Wow. Water skip hole-in-one. That was John Rahm. Wow. Now, I don't know if he can carry all that luck with him all week, but if he does, he's probably a, at 12-1 to 1, a bargain. Rory McIlroy, 31 years old on Northern Ireland, one of the better players. He's 12-1. to 1. Tiger, the defending champ, 30. Who's, who's hosting the Masters dinner, green jacket required. Yes, uh, 35 to 1. I like a kid named Xander Shoffley. He's, he's 27 years old. He's ranked in the top 10 in the world. He's had a really good season, hasn't had a bunch of wins, but usually in majors like the Masters, plays really well. I think he's got a shot this weekend as well aside from the green jacket uh is there a big check at the end there's a good size check yeah the the masters does not really talk about money that much because uh that's that's just on tour or the prestige of the jacket it's, and the it's win. untoward it's more about wearing. i said it's more about wearing the green jacket oh, okay you get a lot of foghorn leghorn down there and i, guess I think i read there's only one green jacket in all of the Masters, that's not retired at Augusta. Somebody has their own jacket. Like, mm. all the other ones are actually there on well, display. it's probably the current active one that Tiger has. Mm, I wish I had that name in front of me. I would say nay. Okay. It goes back a few years, but I can't remember. So I think it was a guy named Doug. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know. There was a golfer way back named Doug Sanders, but I don't know if he were, he won a Masters or not. Mm. Anyway, uh, that's something to keep an eye on this weekend. It tees off tomorrow at Augusta National. So if you know a bunch of golf fans, they're going to be geeking out about that. And then also tomorrow, big NFL game. Colts and Titans, top two teams in the AFC South going head-to-head. Remember we told you on the last yak that the Colts had fallen a game behind Tennessee in the AFC South, and Indianapolis has to go on the road to take on the Titans in this one. Phillip Rivers needs to play very, very well in order for the Colts to win this game, and he's been maddeningly inconsistent this year. So we'll see if the Colts can get something generated against this Tennessee defense. God knows the Bears didn't, but that's a whole different <laughs> Someone in the hallway yesterday said, I'm not watching the Bears anymore until they win. I fired back. How will you know if you're not watching? Exactly. Well, they listen to the act more than likely. Is that They're what just it is? just waiting for us to tell them <laughs> that it's safe to come out now. The Bears have won. Out of hibernation. Also, uh, I want to address something going on in the NBA right now because they have, they have now set their collective bargaining agreement. The draft is one week from tonight. Free agency will start two days after the draft. And the season starts a month after free agency starts. So this is, I think we've addressed this before, but this is going to be a wild month in the NBA. Indeed. And there are a lot of rumors kind of 
being tossed about right now about possible trades and players being unhappy where they are. So I caution you, don't believe every rumor you hear. Now, is it possible that Chris Paul gets traded from Oklahoma City? Yeah, that's that's a possibility. Is it possible James Harden or Russell Westbrook get traded from Houston? Yeah, that's a possibility. But don't believe it until you actually see <laughs> the trade happen because there are all kinds of rumors out there about there, there's rumors about the Pacers wanting to trade Oladipo. I think a lot of this is floated out there to see, okay, what would the trade market bring? What what might we be able to generate? Can I get another GM to pick up the phone and make an offer? So just keep in mind, you're going to hear a lot of NBA news in the month of November, even though they're not playing. Hey, maybe next episode, how about um, three big names that we'll be hearing in the draft? Okay. Because I have a 13-year-old who's very interested in this, and he's tossing out those rumors at home. Sure. I've got no idea where he's getting his info from. But, you know, just for the common fan, who are we looking at next week? Yeah. And we could do that on Friday? Yeah, we can probably do that on Friday. If not, next week before the draft? Next (laughs) next week, either Monday or Wednesday, we could make our pre-draft episode. Maybe even get a hold of our boy Tom Noy and do some stuff with nerding basketball and with the NBA draft. That sounds like a great segment name, our boy Tom Noy. I think so. Put in a call? Yeah, yeah. We'll try to set him up for Wednesday's Yak. Are we ready to segue into underrated, overrated? Is this segment as popular as we think it is? I don't know. I I enjoy it. (laughs) (laughs) I enjoy it. You've got a couple. I've got a couple today. I have a movie and I have something TV related. Oh, that, you know, those are good branch offs. Yes. Uh, I'll go first with the movie. Go ahead. It is a Corey tradition on the Wednesday night before Thanksgiving. Underrated. If, if the rest of the family Underrated. participates, then great. If not, I'm still going to do what I'm going to do. Underrated. Planes, trains, Underrated. and automobiles. It's a classic. It's. It has so many great moments, and yet telling this poignant story mm-hmm. all around it. But comedy genius, I I think this is a great combination with Martin and Candy. Uh, so great, one wonders why that didn't happen again. Yeah, because that happens, you, you know. You could have had a sequel to this. But I think or just another pairing for something else. Right. But I think they were smart not to. Yeah. Because it's, this this stands alone as cinematic genius. Favorite scene? Uh well, there there are two. Uh the sportscaster in me loves the those aren't pillows. How about them bears? <laughs> the uh the degenerate in me likes the Edie Poole rental car scene yes (laughs) mine is the just the throwdown in the hotel room about how much talking del griffith does yeah you're like chatty kathy have a point oh (laughs) absolutely absolutely so you're saying underrated there's no way you could overrate that movie Mm -hmm. all right what do you got billy idol 
Yesterday, the anniversary of his second album, Rebel Yell. Um, oh, boy. Not uh, <laughs> mm, a massive catalog. Like, no. you could count on one hand the big hits. And they were big, but uh, overrated. I would say right down the line. Mm-hmm. I I don't think he's necessarily overrated. I think terrific voice. I think he's a little bit like a flair. Okay. You know, and I don't mean Ric Flair. Ric Flair. I mean like a, uh, you know, he was, whoosh, he was hot. He had his moments. He had about four or five, and then I was would nothing. definitely say he would not have the success he had if MTV wasn't around. Oh, absolutely. He was yeah. the perfect poster boy for that channel and as character. You ma- and as you make that point, that might lead me to overrated mm-hmm. because without that, I think you're right. Without that, The he's... look, the snarl, the mm-hmm. hair, the... But I, I think, you know, you hear that voice. Yeah. it. He's got a terrific range. Eyes Without a Face is an underrated song. Yes. That's a good one. Um, I met him once. Did you? Yes. Kalamazoo Wing Stadium. Uh, it was when Cradle of Love was a big hit. Yeah. He had just come off a huge motorcycle accident, had a tour. So he had... Uh, he had like a pulsating thing on his leg and a cane he performed with and met him after the show and he had a top-to-bottom Chuck orange jumpsuit, sweatsuit on. So did you, right? Well, that was the weird thing is that we matched so well. <laughs> but I tell you, in small talk with him, had a few moments, could understand a word he said. Okay. It was real. That's a girl, rah, rah. Super thick English. That's a rah, 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 rah. That's all I got. TV show you were talking about. Or TV related. On this day in history, the Beatles signed a deal with Ed Sullivan for three performances. This is also right around the time in history, 92, I think it was Johnny Carson's last Tonight Show. One would say Johnny Carson up there as far as talk show hosts. Oh, yeah. Ed Sullivan, underrated or overrated? Well, here's the thing. Ed Sullivan, you have to remember, Ed Sullivan was really a newspaper man. And he had made a lot of contacts during his years as a newspaper man and was able to use those to bring celebrities in and do the TV show. Ed Sullivan himself was not an entertainer. He was just a master of ceremony. He would bring these people in, give them the opportunity to perform in front of a an audience, and kept the show going. Kind of the only audience of his time, right? Right. Was he kind of like the only game? That's the thing. That His show was such a big deal on Sundays in the late 50s and throughout the 60s. So I'm a little bit after Ed Sullivan's time. I remember his show a little bit when I was a kid because I think they stopped it in 71 or 72. And by then, he what, his leverage had somewhat faded. You mm-hmm. know, um, 
But that beat those Beatles appearances on Ed Sullivan. A lot of the musical performances are iconic. Elvis, remember there was the big deal about they couldn't show Elvis below the waist. The Doors, um, yeah, Rolling Stones. So, for a lot of people, that's how they got introduced to those British groups. That was the first opportunity to see them. Yes, was on the Ed Sullivan show. So the show. I don't think is overrated. Ed Sullivan himself, yeah, overrated because if you're looking at him as an entertainer, that wasn't what he did. Mm-hmm. It was more like having the producer on the air as the host. But you also hear easily in the top five talk show hosts of all time, they nod to Ed. Oh, it, terrifically influential on the medium. Yeah. And and showed the power of television just by the ratings that those shows would get when they brought on people that you had not seen before. First must-see TV, where yes. the evening is planned around... That or I Love Lucy. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 I wonder if there's a good Ed Sullivan documentary. I'd like to learn more about that guy. Uh, I, I don't that know down. that there has been one, but All who right. knows? All right. You're up. Well, you mentioned this group, actually. In the Ed Sullivan, the Doors, doors. overrated. I agree. Um, I think they were much like Billy Idol in a sense of the rise. I think it's they were a culture of that time, just, you know. Or counterculture, to be more accurate. Pharmaceutical. Oh, yeah. uh, (laughs) Fueled band. Yeah. yeah, I, I was never really a fan. I mean, you hear the big, big songs, and you kind of go, oh, okay, but I don't ever reach for a Doors record, ever. And and I will grant our listeners this. A lot of overrated, underrated is our personal taste. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, so you may disagree. Now, you'd be wrong, but you may disagree. <laughs> it's just our take, Chuck. Yeah, but our take is the right one because... Well, it's our show. <laughs> if you want yours, start your own sports yak. Yeah. With two K, three Ks. I've already got the yeah, two K uh hammered down. All and right. you probably don't want to do one of the three Ks if you know what I mean. I can't believe I just said that to set you up to say <laughs> that now that I think about it. You are currently working behind the scenes on what high school game? We've got Merrillville at Elkhart. Oh, Corey. Friday. I will regale you with the amount of Division I talent that there is in this game. This will be as talented a football game as we have put on the air this year. Okay. There are there are not just players. There are players okay. in this game. All right. And uh, this is going to be a fun one Friday night at Rice Field. All right. Maybe a healthy preview on Friday? Oh, of course. Okay. That's part of the magic of the Friday Yak is the college and high school football preview. You're on Twitter, right? I've been known to be there and sometimes not even suspended. At 46 Sports, you are too. I am. At my name is Corey, Sports Yak with two Ks. Hit the subscribe button. Maybe give us a rate, a review, share with a friend or a pal. Tell them the fast forward or rewind to the underrated, overrated segment. Who knows? It's TJ Freebie's favorite segment of the act. Then we'll continue to do it in his honor. 
Happy birthday, Jeannie. Until next time, Yak fans. Oh, and happy birthday, Rosie, as well. Don't leave her out. She's a loyal Yak listener. Well, I had to give you one to say. Oh, that's true. Thank you so much. Ooga-looga, Sonny Jerkinson. We've had some fun. Yeah, the show is done. Now we gotta run. It's Sport Jack. Sport Jack. Sport Jack is not filmed in front of a live studio audience. We done. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.